back. Whoop. Uh, we were so wrong. <laughs> Honestly? On everything. On everything. <laughs> um, I think the only thing that we were correct about was that it was going to be a hard race. And that Galen Rupp was going to make the team. Yes, and uh, Chonky Boys would be out in full effect. That's yeah. Everything else, I was I was out. Uh, but I, I'm not even mad. Oh no no no! It made for the most wild and exciting race. I had I was out at a bar watching this whole time, and someone was someone like hollered in the back, and they're like, "Matt, this is the last time I listen to any of your podcast predictions." Like, and this clearly we were. We weren't the only only ones though. Like, I it don't was, think it was, anyone. It was. So I held a little bit of a prediction contest with a couple of my friends mm-hmm. where we each, you know, put down five bucks on the men's race, five bucks on the women's race, and you got to make uh, three picks on both sides. person with the most picks uh, correct would win the pot, and the winner was me. The tiebreaker was the men's uh, winning time, and I went with uh, two, I think I went with 210 low or something like that. And and the, I was I won because everyone only had one person, and it was either Galen or Sally Kipiego, mm-hmm. and I won because I had the closest men's winning time. So that's literally the most unpredictable, but yet thrilling races we ever it was so thrilling. seen. It lived up to the hype; like it was amazing um, from like start a, to finish. A grind. A, a, what's, the, what's the term you could say? Like a, like a like a butter churner. I don't know something. It just like kept going over and over and like. Everybody, we were all watching. I was like, we just wait for that third loop. Mm-hmm. Wait for that third loop. And then it's like... Whew, yeah, then the race really, really unfolded. Up. But before we get into our race analysis, Matt, I've got a little bit of a gift for you. For me? For you. Why don't you go grab that uh, little black box that's over there? Honestly, I will. Ooh. Do you know what that is? I think I do. It's definitely not a... Uh, house arrest band? No. no, but it is something I would put on my foot. Is this a stride running pod? It is a stride running pod. Ooh. So you know that this is a problem that nearly every runner faces. We all know that pacing is super important mm-hmm. during workouts. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to pace yourself properly in challenging conditions. You've got rolling hills. Atlanta had a, a lot of them. It was just a rolling hill. Yeah. One continuous. Sometimes you're running into the wind. I don't know if you've seen some of the videos from Atlanta. It was a wind tunnel out there. It was like there. 20 miles an hour the whole time. Yeah. They and then gusting. Like, they didn't really have like heat or humidity, but sometimes that could be a factor, especially with the weather getting a little bit warmer. And depending on where you are, altitude can be a factor. All these forces are constantly causing you to change your pace when you're just trying to stay at a nice, even, consistent effort. So, Matt, I'm giving you a stride running pod to help fix that problem for you. I mean, have you ever looked at my splits? They're all over the place. Yeah, that's not going to be the case anymore. <laughs> it's super lightweight, sits on your shoe, and it's going to chit-chat with that Garmin watch that you've got on your wrist. And it's going to give you a grade-adjusted, wind-adjusted, heat-adjusted, humidity-adjusted, and an altitude-adjusted number called power. And so you're going to start using that during workouts, and it's going to help you with your pace. At the trials, more than two dozen people were using them. I could see them uh, when people had them attached to their shoe. And actually, it's really funny because now if you go through all the uh, Runner's World galleries of the finisher shoes, you'll sometimes see a little stride pod sitting on some of them. Uh, But I want everyone to learn a little bit more 
about Stride and check it out themselves. So why don't you go to stride.com slash Sidious. That's S-T-R-Y-D dot com slash Sidious. I've been using it, and now Matt will be using it. Oh, man. So why don't you guys go give it a try? I think I'm excited. Yeah. So you can get a lot of data on your on, on yourself. I'm going to learn so much. Anyway, all right. Let's get back into the race. As you were saying, really, I think this these races started off and let's go let's go blow by blow the men go off first Mm -hmm. really funny thing i don't know how much they showed on the broadcast but um i was standing right there and as they're doing all the introductions mr galen rupp is just sitting at the starting line sitting and in his warm-ups still he has like a jacket on like he he didn't take him off until like the very last second he was just sitting there um (laughs) it really i don't know who got that photo but it's like all the men in the front are just looking at him and he's sitting there like yeah, he's just like you know what I'm spending as as little time on my feet right here. And, he, he spent uh, his least time on his feet out of anybody who finished the race the yeah. whole day. Yeah, so maybe there's something to it, but he was just, it was so weird. He's just sitting there, and it's of course it's like you kind of roll your eyes, and it's like of course Galen's being a little Galen. different. But um, race goes out, and funny enough, I was I was watching from the uh, right before they went out, and. I, I, you know, obviously took interest in some of the people that I wrote about before the race. So I was spotting where Jim Walmsley was. He was in the middle somewhere because he, he obviously didn't have like the A qualifier to get up toward the top. Um, I was looking for Bernard Lagat. And then, of course, I was looking for Luke Piscedra. Well, he was the last guy to start. He was all the way in the back. So what? when you see him taking out the race really hard and the first guy leading at mile one. Uh-huh. He had to make up all the extra ground from being in all the, the way in the back. It I didn't was, know he started that far back. No, it was so absurd. And so, like, by the time I made it back into the to the media tent and I saw that he was leading the race, I was like, this is bananas. I think, like, and then I was like, what is happening? Because is he is he going to do this and try and take this wire to wire? He obviously didn't end up making it mm. all the but way. He, he went for it. I, I was I was looking on oh, Twitter the whole time, and Kyle Merber was like, if Luke Piscadra gets this... I'm gonna buy a house from him today. Yeah, today I'll buy a house. And uh, by the way, we're going on on Instagram Live right now. Uh, but you know what was also really funny was that when he started uh, taking the lead, I was thinking the entire time, uh, this is this is the perfect person to just block win for. And uh, up next to him comes Dan Nestor uh, from Columbia. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I remember him as a as a college runner at Columbia, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he's leading the Olympic trials uh, in his marathon debut. debut. It was it, it, he. I know he trains out in Boulder. I just mm-hmm. didn't expect that. I don't think anyone did. I mean, guy, he runs for he's a uh, community man- manager for Rabbit, Running yeah. Rabbit, and I knew him, and I was like, "Is that who I think it is?" And yeah. I like had to double check, and I was like, "Yeah, I know exactly who's out here." And he, you got to just. You gotta go for it. Why not? Bold, yeah. bold move, the ballsy move. If anything, <laughs> uh, and then, and then after that, it was Brian Schrader who, who led for twelve. No, eight mile. Was it? Because he, he he caught up at about like what was that like four miles in that he took it out that he like passed uh, yeah he just goes out and then he just like led for like all the way through the half yeah all the way through the half and it was like. Another well, person he, who he, I was he like, had a 40, 40 second lead on the on the pack because mm-hmm. I remember just looking at the splits and I was like, it, "What is he doing? Like he's mm-hmm. 
he's on he was like on 208 209 pace he's gone yeah and then and Nestor stayed with him for like mm -hmm. a good deal he like pulled him along and then you're just like watching that um so NBC had like the, yeah. the splits on the side and you, uh, which and I there, liked there was a, at one point like if you didn't include Nestor just like the rest of the pack he had gapped it by about a full minute yeah and he was out and you're like and you start to really think is like can can you pull a meb at the Olympic trials on that course? And then you you come to the realization that's not going to last for forever. No, it's really interesting because I, I spend a lot of time in the summer watching uh, the Tour de France. Yeah, and like the breakaway is like such a key thing, and like it, it, that just doesn't happen as much in in marathoning. It's a lot more of like all right, we're gonna be patient on this. There's no unless you can really hammer it and hold on. There's no huge benefit to getting out front like that you're just gonna work harder <laughs> yeah so eventually the pack does end up catching him and mm -hmm. what was really interesting was that morning and in the days leading up to it you just kind of had this little feeling of like what is the u.s army team going to do because like could they work they honestly could all work together yep. to you know run a race for Leonard Career to win, whether that's, you know, going out and through the half in 63, which was, I think, what was rumored. And it was like that morning, that was the buzz. It was like, watch for U.S. Army to take this thing out pretty spicy. And Leonard Career would then, you know, take take the reins later on. It's like, it's literally that teamwork there. It could have happened, but instead you have Brian Schrader and Dan Nestor, two <laughs> unlikely candidates leading this race. I don't, I don't think we put either one on our, like, no, even in my like top fifteen radar, Brian Schrader could have been on people's radars just because like he had he, he's run a couple solid marathons. Mm -hmm. I think he's run two at this point. You know, it was boy, uh, big guy. It was pretty good at NAU. Um, exactly. You know, so, and he's training with the Saucony Freedom Track Club. Mm -hmm. uh, so he had you know he had some credentials. And I'm like, well, you know, he hypothetically could pull this off. He's he was the people's champ that day, and then eventually at some point, um, I think Galen comes up right next to Brian Schrader. And I love this little moment where Brian Schrader just did not want to give up the lead. He just, kept like, he just like put in a little search to stay yep. ahead and stay ahead. And it only lasted for so long because Brian Schrader dropped out of the race. Yeah, and I, I was watching that, and um, I was with Greg, and he was like, we were just thinking, that, like, is he just going to not let Galen? Is he, is he going to keep, like, going to, you can, like, you can, you, you can pass me, but you're going to have to make, you're going to have to bleed for it kind yeah. of thing, like. So the, what happens, okay, I mean, let's continue to play this race through. Mm -hmm. We set the over-under uh, the night before. We tweeted out a bunch of prop bets, and we set the over-under on when Galen Rupp would take the lead at 20. And I think it, he hit just about, you know, a little over 20 before mm -hmm. he really decided, you know, this is, this is my race. Mm -hmm. And he takes off. It's a weird pack right behind him because you've got Augustus Mayo from one of the U.S. Another Army guys, runners, yep. another person who was on no one's radar going yep. into the race. Um, you have Abdi and you have uh, Matt McDonald. Mm -hmm. And, the and there was so much um, like jockeying with Abdi and Galen and they were talking like especially for like, those last couple miles mm -hmm. like Abdi was getting up front. And I was like, oh, Abdi's Abdi's breaking wind for for Galen and Galen, mm -hmm. like he literally was talking and like gestures for him to get behind him. And yeah. like, well, Abdi had a little bit of a hitch in his step at one point where I was like, he might look like he's cramping up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it, it was, it was getting pretty crazy. I was blown away by Matt McDonald because I had spent the previous day with him on a, on a panel and I'll release that mm -hmm. podcast probably after this, um, where it was pretty much, we called him the nine to fivers and he is getting his PhD in, I believe, mechanical engineering. 
So he's got a full day. I think and he he's... says he starts his day like at, at 4 a.m. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and his goal was to to give himself a shot. That's what he said the day before. He was like, I'm gonna, I want to give myself a shot and I'll be really happy. And I want to be like close to the leaders at 20. In the mix. And guess what? He did just that. So I, I don't think he could, you know, it's an A-plus day for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, A-plus is maybe making the team, but he definitely that's, that's gets an A. a. That's... And he ends up finishing what? 10th? In what? On the nose. Uh, 212 19. That's solid. That's pretty solid. And he, I think, ran 211 in, in Chicago. And that's just two completely different courses. You can't even. No, yeah. <laughs> two very different courses. Um, and it was so, there was someone who was talking, I think, to me before, and it was like, I don't think that anyone who ran well in Chicago is going to. Was also, it you or yeah, someone else? I think we were talking about that. I was like, it's it's if this was a contest of pure speed, mm-hmm. would have been an absolutely different race yeah but this was a contest of of patience and who can be comfortable for a really long time and that was something we were watching and if you looked back at the pack specifically you should have i was sitting with greg and we were watching and about 10 miles in greg calls and he's like galen's gonna win look at him Mm -hmm. and he's like super comfortable yeah "Mm -hmm." couldn't just couldn't be more comfortable and that's the thing is you and you're looking at um as people are going out, you can start to see, especially after the half, you can start to see the strain. Still so in control. Yeah. So no. in control. And you would think that after the injury, he would have to make some changes to his stride or something, but he's still still comfortable and smooth. Like so smooth. When he goes, he makes his move at, at 21, um, or, mm-hmm. or he's done it in Chicago before. When he's the top dog, that's where he throws down the hammer. That's where he does, um, he does best as the front runner. Yeah. And... It's different in a race when, like, he's finished, like, fifth or sixth in Chicago mm-hmm. before, and that's because he had to play off of other people. Yep. But when it's he's he's the guy Dictating to watch, things. yeah. You, you make the moves. Mm-hmm. You make the moves, and then everybody else has to match. And I was, like, in the back of my head, I was still thinking, like, I'm not going to call it his race until he gets past 23. Yeah. Just because Chicago, he looked fine. Mm-hmm. Looked fine in Chicago that whole time, and then, like, poof, fell off. But this time around, couldn't just- have been... This is the it, there was never I think you could kind of point to it because of the half marathon that he ran where it was yep. 61 that was like Galen Rupp is back that's where I feel like if he hadn't run that half marathon or ran it a like a huge surprise this would have been a little bit more surprising and you would have still had more concerns but once he took over he took over and then ran away with it and oh, ended absolutely. up winning the race he, what was his winning time uh 20920 on that course 20920 on a monster of a course that's like Big shout out to any person who PR'd on that course. Jake Riley did. We'll Jake get to Riley. him in a sec. It's yeah. just like the fact that that's not easy. Like, even if it's a hilly course, there are some hilly courses that favor you. Like mm-hmm. Boston. We look at um, American records that have been set in Boston because though it's challenging and it's a r- bunch of rolling hills, still a majority of that, especially the back half, you're rolling downhill. But Atlanta, it just was, I think the word... Um, the, the buzzword I kept reading around was unrelenting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, cause if you watch it on the TV, the, if you want anyone who was seen in the back was either coming down a hill or going uh-huh. up. There's one. no flat. There's nowhere to get comfortable. Yeah. Nowhere to get comfortable. I ran some of it and I didn't end up burning a whole loop. I, I kind of have a little bit <laughs> oh, of regrets, good. but I, I had enough after, you know, two or three miles. Um, <laughs> so we, kind of like pointed to the move that Galen made once Galen ran away with it it was kind of like I'm glad that the cameras at least like from the media zone 
didn't just stay on Galen. We kind of requested, was like, well, now it's a battle for 2-3. And the battle yeah. for 2-3 was crazy because Augustus Mayo was one of the guys who made one of the big moves, yep. ends up paying a major price, and he was out falls in, off. He was out in second for mm-hmm. a decent chunk of that. And it was like, him and Abdi. Yep, him and Abdi. Lenny was like... Uh, you, that, he was crawling I, back. I love the I love the army uniforms just because mm-hmm. they're so easy to spot. Yeah, like the camera is right on Abdi, and you can still see yeah. like Lenny right in the back, and he had, and he had like a white shirt on underneath. Yeah, yeah. It was just shout out to the guy with the white tee underneath. Shout the out to the <laughs> Cotton Shirt Fitness, baby. Cotton Shirt Fitness, and. Leonard Career was making a push. He was always kind of in that fourth place position, closing in on those guys. Jake Riley ends up running a much smarter race, where at mile 19, I think he was more than 30 seconds back of mm-hmm. Abdi. Um, and so they were, yeah, I remember the announcers were maybe almost calling it like, oh, you know, this is it. It's going to be a battle between these four. And Jake Riley wasn't one of those four at the time. Comes storming back. And it makes sense because you look at, I mean, look at, the other unexpected people who popped up early in the race. You're mm-hmm. like, all right, it's another person who we didn't really count on who might have a moment in the sunshine and then would fall off. Yeah. But he stayed on. It like, was uh, arguably of the day, I think the smartest race run no, of anyone. It was, it was so It was, it was so good. So the reason why, and it was crazy to think, and I, I think like I'll include this in my 20 parting thoughts from, from the trials, which like I'm still kind of parsing through. Um, if you watch in the final like two miles, the people on the sidelines were rooting so hard for Jake Riley. Like people were getting up in his grill to like hold mm-hmm. on, hold on, because I mean like his story is just pretty incredible. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how much you knew about him before. We kind of t- hinted uh, of him as being a little bit of a dark horse, yeah. uh, potentially on the last podcast. I'm not even sure if I remember. I just know that he was like one of like the twelve American men. Who ran under? Yeah, to to to. And so he was kind of grouped like, into that that, that, that big, big lump, that big lump of guys. He was included in the in the pre race press conference, and then that's when I think like he started to catch a little bit of traction. I tweeted out a clip of of him talking about this, you know, his lead up to the trials where. You know, he wasn't, he's not sponsored. He, he trains at the, like the Boulder, Boulder Track, Track Club, Club under Lee Troop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was, he was pre- previously with the Hansons Brooks. Yep. Um, and after that, he gets injured, has an Achilles injury. Vows, to go for a full surgery. Which is, you never know how you're going to come back from that. Vows to never race again until he's fully healthy, which takes three years. Yep. Goes through some personal struggles, I believe gets, gets a divorce. Moves to Colorado and then finds a sport again. Uh, he has like a uh, he has an engineering degree, which mm-hmm. I think he also wanted to put to use. Um, so it was like really hard for people not to root for him. He was uh, people's. I mean, we're, I'm on Instagram Live right now, and someone said to me he was the first American in Chicago, and like yeah, he was first American in Chicago. But it's like he was still kind of grouped into that. So many Americans had a good day in Chicago that it was kind of like okay. How do we make sense of it? And really, what makes him really, really stand out? So uh, he had some a lot of momentum going into this race where mm. when he put it together, it was it was really good to see. And w- I think, let's talk about the ballsiest move by him of the day. is The grab. Yep. The flag grab. Oh, <laughs> like... 600 meters to go. I don't think there's any way, any other better way to Babe Ruth your shot. Be like, I'm going to get a bigger one of these really soon. Except the fact that it wasn't guaranteed. It wasn't. And and, I'll neck with him right there. And then you have a 69 minute (laughs) half marathoner. 59 minute. Yeah, yeah. Yes, 59 minute half marathoner 
right behind you, closing hot, who was known for kicking people down in that last thing. And that was I was watching. Like, it was terrifying. Like, and so it's like it's not that you want to like villainize someone like Leonard Career in that moment, but it's just like it would just be so gut wrenching for Jake Riley to 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 lose out on an Olympic. And afterwards, he said, you know, he did kind he's of. He's like, oh, he realized he made this. He's like, oh, oh no. <laughs> I'm all right. We set the bar. We gotta and uh, that that finish. It was just I. I think I even tweeted like, "Holy shit!" Like, cause it was it was that crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake Riley holds on for second place. PR. What was it? Um, he because he ran two ten oh two almost almost a whole minute. He ran like two ten fifty. Yeah. In Chicago, I think. Which is like crazy to think because if this course actually is 60 to 90 seconds slower than everybody yeah everybody this that's, is that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a sub 210 like on an, any other day and it was so, so not only like just like the course itself but just the wind the fact that there's so much and he's and been, i don't think anyone and no one talked about the wind going into no. it cuz you can't predict that really yeah and he Spent a lot of that, especially the last part of that race, running totally exposed. He didn't look back. I think. Yeah. I don't think you, he just, you can't he look just back. Drop the Because imagine what, what where does your mind go when you look back and you see Leonard Career waving his arms and coming He's in at coming you hot? He's coming for me. <laughs> I hope I never have him chasing me. Yeah, you might. You might shit your pants. I can't do that. Shout out to someone who almost shit his pants, which hey. is uh, Marty Hare, who. Uh, stopped, took a potty break in the middle of the race, and came back and still ran two eleven twenty nine for what was that or two eleven twenty nine for sixth, <laughs> sixth. I feel um I don't know. Do we like I don't think we owe an apology, but like we totally left out Reebok. Oh yeah. I mean Reebok wasn't on our on my radar at all. I mean, and he because the thing is too. I think I believe he's still like uh he's a doctor. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's got. Or is, is he a doctor or is he like? Studying for his medical, I, I think so. I know he has a kid. He's got this whole, yeah. Whole thing. I mean, following him. The thing is, he's not someone who's super surprising because he was he was really good at Syracuse. I remember yeah. that from his cross country days there. Um, he is a student at Sydney Kimmel Medical College at yep. Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia. I just got that from the pretty good article by John Galt of Let's Run dot com. Hey, uh, but. Yeah, so Marty Hare, heck of a race out of nowhere. Honestly, when someone had asked me, it was like, instead of asking people for your top three, hit me with your four Four through through ten. So who were four through ten for this race? Oh, golly. So we got Marty Hare. We got Clayton. Well, yeah, go from four to ten. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, why did I jump to six? (laughs) So four, we have Lenny Career. Which, oh, he could have made the team. I had him in the top three. And he was like the one who... Before the race, I was I was telling the same thing. Talking, mm-hmm. I was like, I've, I've definitely got Lenny Career in my top three. Augustus Mayo, same. So we went for like a four five for Army. Mm-hmm. Um, Marty here, we've got uh, Clayton Albertson for seventh. Which the Strava King, yeah, dude. Of the of all the people CG. who who like had the mon- big question marks and like the the Strava. Like Strava King. the Strava lore going into the race, she's your Albertson wins the the proxy duel against Jim Walmsley. Yeah, Jim, Wal- <laughs> Jim Walmsley for like who can do the craziest shit yeah. on Strava. Keep rolling down. We got Jonas Hampton. Col- Would have never called that. Neither. Uh, uh, Colin Benny. Syracuse guy. Yep. Syracuse looked good. Yeah. Syracuse looked good. Um, Matt McDonald's. 
Tyler. And then for, yeah, for 10th, closing out with Matt McDonald. Like, Matt McDonald, great top 10 finish. Really putting it on for the home crowd because he's an he's Atlanta track club. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, really, the, the, what's missing there, it's kind of like all the people we put on our, our Literally prediction teams. Literally, every, everybody on my top 10 just wasn't there. Yeah. So, Fobble, who we you picked, I think, right? To put, you put him on the team. Scott, still love you. 12th, right? 12th. In 2-12-39. Yeah. He, he, I talked to him right after the race. I tweeted out a good clip of it. And literally, I just asked him, it's like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Because that's what everyone's going to be curious about. And it sounded like he was getting a little bit emotional. Uh, rightfully so. This is something that you're, you you know, try and peek for every mm-hmm. four years. And it, it's an it opportunity that only come comes around. up every four years. Yeah. And, you know, he said he just made tactical mistakes. It was windy. He just got with the wrong pack, exerted way too much energy sometimes trying on some of the stations, on the hairpin turns. Those turns, they looked hard. hard. I was on one of them and watching, I came out onto the course and it's like, you, your hips must be killing you on those. And then you're going right back down into these downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like It was, yeah, brutal. But, I mean, I think his coach had said, like, if you'd have told me Scott Fable would have run two twelve and beat Jared Ward, you'd assume he was on the team. But this yeah. just wasn't that day. The the best American men and women all ran really fast times when you pit them against against each other, which is which is great to see. Yeah, and just remember, I guess like when about a year ago, like everyone was concerned about the trials uh, because it wasn't uh, no one really had the the standard, the standard going in. But if you look at the results, all six people who made the team got under the standard. Yeah, so it's not way, even a all problem. All the way through, first through is it was it two eleven thirty was this something standard? like that? Yeah. So that means or oh nine first. Yeah, like if it's if it's thirty, then we get one through six. But one through five made it clear under. So even if it wasn't a, a gold standard race. Yeah, and it, it's it's exciting. It's, with someone like Jacob Riley, what what could he do going forward? I'm getting a lot of Brian Sell vibes. I'm getting a lot of Jared Ward vibes. I think he can really put together a solid marathon in Tokyo, just the, the kind of a grinder that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, from the Americans, he's my favorite yeah. going in. I'm into, to- into you Tokyo. You can't, yeah. like, who, who wouldn't root for him? Yeah. How could you not? That's just like he's gonna get a, a lot of, a lot of good press, I think, going into into the Olympics, um, and rightfully so. The video of him embracing Lee Troop after the finish line, it's a tearjerker for sure. Um, <sighs> Welcome to the club. Yeah. So that was good. I don't know who it was that posted up something that they were like, I was in the cave. I'm running around, and somebody hollers at me, "Yo." Jacob Riley just it was an, it was like a fellow Boulderite okay. that was like yo Jacob Riley is going to the Olympics and she was like I I couldn't I was yeah. I was wanting to drop out and hearing that gave me so much so I guess kind of a, a tangentially related story was uh, Chris Derrick pull drops out of the race mm-hmm. and a couple of the Brooklyn Track Club uh, teammates of mine were were on the sidewalk and they kind of see him and. You know, no one really knows like what would happen to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard. He just came back from. Did he? I can't remember. Did he break his foot ankle or, or his ankle? Like yeah, I think it was. His it ankle. was in a road race, and he just like stepped in a pothole. Yeah. So he's coming down the street, and Finley says to him, "It's like uh, Steve Finley, my coach." He goes, "He's like, I, we probably don't know each other, uh, even though they're both Illinois guys, so they might know each other." Uh, he was like, "But he's like, I just want to tell you, like, Jake made the team. 
because they're both Stanford guys, and he mm-hmm. took off his sunglasses apparently, and was like super hyped up after that. Like <sighs> you can be down that you just had a really bad race, but, but when it, your buddy makes the team, that will pick you back up. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I got I got all the warm fuzzies over here. <laughs> all right, so men, men's race, kind of like before we kind of move into the uh, to the women's race, Abdi makes it five teams, forty three <sighs> years old. An we, we, we picked the wrong old man. We really did. I, pi- ah. I would have picked Lagat uh, every ten out of ten times. If Meb Lagat even, by a million. If Meb would have declared for this race, I probably would have picked Meb too. Honestly, um, <laughs> I was really excited. I was like, guys, what if Meb has a tearaway on and he just like rips off and instead of being on the truck, he just hops in and runs. Yeah. If only <laughs> he he did run the uh, he paced the the, the, the half, the, the half marathon, marathon the next, the next day. day though. Very. Uh, that's sweet, sweet Meb. So kind of people are kind of trying to make sense a little bit of why, how did Abdi pull this thing off? I mean, he's got so many, I, I don't know how many of the American Masters records he currently holds. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually set, so I ran with, didn't run with him. I ran on the course of him the same day as you did for Boilermaker this summer. Oh yeah. And he set the new American Masters 15 K record that day. And I was like, I didn't even remember he was there. Abdi. Whoa. <laughs> he came in like, I think he came in like second, second or third at Boilermaker. And it was like setting a new American Masters record in the 15 K. Yeah. It's... That came back to me and I was like, is he still going to hold on for this? So I, yeah, in recent years, He's just been super selective about his marathons. I guess when you know you're old and you only have so many left in your legs. You can't spend them that. I looked at it. He finished one marathon between the 2012 trials where he took third, mm-hmm. held on a charging, uh, held off a charging uh, Dathan Ritzenhain in one of the closest and most upsetting finishes um, that a trials can have. And then after that, he drops out of the marathon in London at the 2012 Olympics mm-hmm. because of knee issues. And after that, he doesn't finish another marathon until, I believe, 2014, where he has a very subpar Boston, pulls out of the 16 marathon trials. And here's where it kind of gets interesting and something that I was going to give more thought to is the Vaporfly era begins. Mm. Post, post-trial post 16, Olympics uh, Olympics 16, and then in New York City, you start to see more of the 4% come along. And he- Abdi is a very good responder to those to those shoes, I believe. You, It's... Um, I was I was actually at a podcast recording a while back, and it was some of my friends who they're talking about. They're like, "Yeah, especially as I get older, I'm really favoring this shoe mm-hmm. because I feel safe and really protected in it, and I'm not as beat up yeah. after a race." Like <sighs> moving away from how how minimal yeah. a lot of like the the flats were. You get done with that, it's like somebody. Like put a jackhammer to both your legs. Yeah, and- really. The energy return has has helped. I guess revitalize a little bit of his career. Can I put on my conspiracy hat a little bit? I think you should put on the hat. I'm not. So I'm not gonna. I just think there was one question that was left unanswered, and I was unfortunately I wasn't at the press conference for the men's uh, race because I think I was still out doing an interview with Molly Seidel's parents. Actually, funny enough. Um, and so I didn't get the chance, but I was very curious. Uh, Abdi trains a lot in Ethiopia, and he trains with Mo Farah. So one thing I was just kind of very curious about was with Mo Farah facing a lot of scrutiny over, you know, yeah, sure. I mean, it's it appears that he lied to a lot of anti-doping investigators mm-hmm. in the process when they asked him about this L-carnitin drip. But out-of-competition testing in Ethiopia and in Kenya isn't great. 
like so let's be honest like how much is actually how much out of competition is testing is going down when you go out to these long training stints not not to to to, to say anything uh, or like point any fingers or say anyone's guilty of of doing anything wrong but sort of it's like what have his observations been and how what does he think of somewhat one the media's treatment of mo Farah and mm-hmm. maybe what some of the answers that he's had to to face and also just in general, it's like, why go out there and train? Then when you have so many, he's trained in Flagstaff before. Yeah. He lives in Flagstaff, I'm it, pretty sure, and, so. or Arizona. Yeah, um, it's like, why would you, why would you leave for yeah. that? Like, so I mean, that's it's just a couple, you know, things that I feel like should have been should have been addressed, and maybe they they can be still like, in, but in follow ups, but. Uh, it was just something that I thought was was interesting, and I mean, it's not to point fingers or assume any sort of wrongdoing, but mm-hmm. definitely just something to to keep just, in the uh, back just, of your uh, mind. Just putting some putting drawing some lines between some some yeah. things that are already out there. But anyways, at 40, at five Olympic teams is nothing to 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 scoff at. It's very impressive, um, and this will, Sapporo will be redemption for for London. Just just so happens to come eight years later. Right. Um, anyway, so kudos kudos to Abdi for for making the team. Nothing like breaking your own master's record. Yeah, and securing such like a long legacy. All right, let's touch on the women's race because I think we are uh, thirty minutes into to this one. Uh, this is- the women's race, honestly, so exciting. Yeah, because I I was frustrated with NBC because they would have the split screen up mm-hmm. and then they'd switch it, and I was like, God, oh, just please leave it on the split screen. Yeah, that's what I was really hoping for. But sort of like the finish that the men's race happened had is what I assumed the women's finish would have looked like, but it wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. In the women's race. Everyone was still in it at halfway. Everyone was still, almost everyone was still in it at 20. Like, yeah. right 18, then. I 18, I think. 18 to 20 yeah. was when that move happened. Yeah. And. When did Trump go on the uh, on the air? Oh, God. Because it was. I didn't see it. I did, and <laughs> I screamed in the bar. It was the opposite of what I wanted to have happen on the TV. I couldn't believe the it. When, I, when I saw the the, uh, the alert or that the announcer said, like, we're, we might get interrupted shortly by a message from the president, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This, this is- could wait. Yeah. This can wait. <laughs> Just a little bit longer. This afternoon. You know what? Special <laughs> announcements are better in the afternoon anyway. People like to sleep in on Saturdays. Because uh, he, what? He was just reading off a teleprompter, right? Yeah. And it was, like, rambling for Ten minutes. Wow, ten minutes it, is a it, lot it was, in the marathon. Like, That's two so, miles. The minute it happened, every person in the bar was like, "Hell no!" Flip open the NBC. I app. picked up, I picked up a couple followers in that in that time span because it was like so many people what? were just like, "What? What's, where? What's where? How do I find out what's going on?" And I was, I, I guess, like me, John Galt, Aaron yep. Strout, and a couple other people were were live tweeting everything, and it was. Uh, it was entertaining because we our our feeds were just straight off a motorcycle, so we had no, we we never missed a beat. Um, it's just okay. So kind of interesting enough. The day before the race, uh, another podcast I'll really soon with the Hanson brothers from mm-hmm. Brooks. Uh, they said that you know a lot of the women are going to be keying off of Des Linden, and that's exactly what happened because <laughs> she's, she's, she's made two teams. Yeah, yeah, made two teams. Um, there's no Shalane. There's no Amy uh, Amy Craig. There's no Kara Goucher. There's no you know seasoned marathon veteran in this field that knows how this has been done before and so um yeah pretty much like that's what happened and literally she was she went out right on that front pack 
stayed on that front pack the entire time and just didn't match the move. Yeah, so the move happened at about 20, 21-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alfin. She took it out. Took it out. I think Sally Kipiego also took it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and Molly Seidel's like, oh, you know, this is my first marathon. I'm, why not? Is this Let's what happens? Go. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, I, that's what I assume her thoughts were. But, Incredible. you know, she... she. I mean, the smartest racing strategy, when you don't, when you're not experienced, what should you do? Use someone else who is. <laughs> like, and uh, it's, 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 it was brilliant. It yeah. was brilliant. Big shout out to Molly on that. Like, I was, I was, I was worried for her though. I was too. It was so scary. Yeah. I was, I was yelling in the bar. I already had too many beers. It was my birthday. I was, I was getting very emotional at this point. And (laughs) it was, I want Molly to make it. I was like, come on, Molly. You just just sit right on her. You just stay right there. But like, yeah, Alphine, you should, um, she actually just posted this thing on Twitter today, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's this you can you can read it. it's this really good uh recap of before the race and during the race and how she wasn't feeling great and how her quad was giving her this trouble and she's like, I don't know, I'm just like super in my head, I don't know what's going on. And um once it got to the point, she was like I, I now's a, now's a chance. Yeah, I just gotta go. It's funny because I caught a video of Alphine, uh also talking to Ben Rosario right after the race, and she was saying something like, "I woke up and I, you know, felt awful. Like my leg was doing this and all yeah. this kind of stuff." And it's just, uh, we, I think I've said it before in some other interview in the past when people wake up ha- feeling terrible. It's a case like Woody Kincaid in uh, his uh, when he broke thirteen. 13 that morning i think he was just like i don't think i'm gonna do this like i i just feel awful and then these fantastic performances follow follow through with it so maybe when the legs aren't feeling good it's it's that's what happens it's i mean I, I, and i think it also like gets you out of your maybe the you just changes expectations and you your strategy moves yeah. around that she maybe it just gets your mind off yeah things. she just was that was thing she wasn't feeling good and she was saying she's like the last race she, she ran new york mm-hmm. earlier and she said i woke up and i felt amazing and she had a pr in new york i believe was it a pr or it was like a a course pr i think she still had her fastest time in rotterdam but uh yeah so i think she ran she ran 220 uh let's see 227 i think in per in uh or 228 in New York? In uh, Rotterdam. Yeah. Oh, 226.50 she was, she in Rotterdam. She was right behind Kellen because Kellen was like 226 low. 226 um, low in Prague a month in later. In Prague, yeah. And uh, yeah, that was exciting. That was like, then she ran New York and she said she felt fantastic for that race before. And she was thinking like, I really wish I could have felt like I did then. She felt, so it kind of like I, what i wrote down is like if you subscribe to the what have you done for me lately sort of like theory it's like approach. why we really like yeah that's why we ended up picking almost chalk on like favorites in the last yeah. podcast but so in new york she was the third american uh-huh. 12th place overall yep. but it's more than three minutes behind kellen taylor and what i noticed in like looking reviewing other people's like selections for this it was like if you would have picked any of the three uh, NAZ women to make the team. Kellen Taylor. She probably would have been your second or third yeah. pick. Yeah. Kellen Taylor pick Kellen was in most first. cases the people's favorite. And if you look at 
like, I think that Ben does a really good job of sharing their story. Mm-hmm. And so you see Kellen like up front in a workout. Yeah. And that's very much how she likes to run. And so you think that you're like, all right, this is going to transfer to the race. And I mean, that was, I mean, I, no secret. They're my favorite training group. They're my favorite training group. I, I think that they just represent a lot of things that I love about American distance running mm-hmm. and seeing one, two, one, six, eight, all three in the top 10. That's very impressive. That is that's kind of a, like, that's a, that's a dominant showing. It's just, yeah. I mean, when the women finished top 10, all three women at the Olympics, that was a great showing. This is another one of those cases as mm-hmm. well. Um, and actually, you know, you mentioned being seeing like the workout videos and all that kind of stuff of like Helen Taylor crushing it and Steph Bruce also crushing it. Yep. Alfian is always kind of like always there, but never really the aggressor. A, she's she's barely the aggressor. She's yeah. very very quiet. And like any time I've ever gotten to meet her or talk to her, she's always like. And can so I tell kind, you something so fun? Yeah, Sidious Mag has partnered with Rabbit Wolf Creative on a documentary called A Time and Place. It'll be coming out. I think later this year. Yeah. Um, it's a documentary featuring NAZ Elite and their journey towards the 2020 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. Mm. Um, there was a little bit of a uh, clip that has been shared. There's now an Instagram page if you, you want to go follow it. it. So it's a time and a place underscore film. It's a really long Instagram handle. Already got 136 followers. On I'm it. one of those. Yeah. So look out for that. And that'll kind of like... we. You it get ends up see. getting a nice ending because get, Alphine yeah. wins. <laughs> and that's like, I think that's actually really exciting. So they've recently, I remember when Scott and Ben released Inside a Marathon, yeah. how they were able to um, go back afterwards and add on yeah. after Scott's dominant performance in Boston. I wonder if there will be like maybe some supplementary interviews <laughs> afterwards now that For sure. things have happened. So kind of why we overlooked... Alphine was, we've kind of addressed it. We shouldn't have. We shouldn't have. Um, breaking away from the lead pack after 20 miles, it paid off. And now she's going to make a lot of beanie money, Dude. which is wild. Already oh. sold out on Etsy. Now I want one. She sold, it's, 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 the, it's the hype beast thing. Like, as soon as they sell out, I'm like, damn, these, these beanie resellers, they're putting them up on... Wait, we got to, definitely got to check. I know the Chonky Boys have been lighting up eBay for $1,500. Like $1, that's a lot of chunk. <laughs> Bro, I could, I can wait it out a little bit yeah. and then buy $1,500 worth of chunk later. <laughs> Chonks are up. Yeah. Well, guess what, guys? Chonky Boys merch will be going on sale soon. Uh, we might have just ordered our first batch of merch. And then after that, we are going to figure out uh, how we're going to start selling it. And then maybe we'll have some available in Boston and we'll take over. Boston with Chonky Boy merch because you know those Chonky Boys are going to be out there from Hopkinton to Boylston Street. Oh, all the way. Wait, are you going to be wearing Chonky Boys? We'll see. We'll (laughs) see. I'm a. I've been. uh, I I, I race in the next currently. Okay. I ran Boston uh, in just like the old four percents last time. Yeah. I got a pair of necks that are good still for the race, but you know what? Who knows? If someone throws you a pair of chonk, uh, dude. I'm down to get chonky. I'm down to get chonky. <laughs> I actually, I don't really have a race to get chonky for until like like May. There if are, I do the Brooklyn Half, maybe I go chonky. Maybe in the fall for a marathon. We'll see. I'm in no rush to to, to get on the wave. I will be repping the merch. I was repping it in, in Atlanta. People, oh, it was a hit. It's a hit. People, 
people want it. People want the Chalky Boys merch, and it's happening. It's coming soon. All right, so we made sense of why we overlooked Alphine. Now let's mm-hmm. make sense of why we overlooked Molly Seidel. It's just mainly she hadn't run a marathon she before. She had run a marathon. And like I, it, it kind of bums me out right now, the current uh, story that they're spinning about her. The mainstream it, media. The mainstream media is <laughs> kind of like, first give, time marathon. Give me an Alex Jones voice. Can you do one? I don't think. <laughs> okay, something like first time marathoner. That'd be like <laughs> this is terrible. It would be like they're like first time marathoner. Molly Seidel, your Seidel signs up for the Olympic trials and goes out and wins and comes out in second. It scores like, second. <laughs> scores second. Runs a twenty six point two mile marathon. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. But the uh, they're very much overlooking the fact that she was completely dominant. Yeah, well, so she all through like high school and college, high school Footlocker Foot, national champion. Yeah. Shout out to Wisconsin for putting. Ooh. We got we got a Scani on the on the. Oh, Scani baby! Uh, it was it was great because when I was talking to her parents, I got to hear a little bit of the Wisconsin accent. I said, "Oh, what's the party going to be like in Wisconsin? How many cheese curds <sighs> Dude, are going to be? It's about to rain cheese. <laughs> it's going to be raining cheese curds in cheese Wisconsin." Curds, baby. Uh, so she, you know, won the Footlocker national title in 2011. Uh-huh. Won the NCAA cross country title in 2016, and won- that definitely showed itself. Yeah. Won like, the 10K title in 2015 mm-hmm. outdoors. Uh, so, I mean, just overall, this should not have come as a surprise. You know, 10K college runners naturally transition to the roads, throw together a good half marathon. The one, I guess, like bump along the way uh, for Molly, which has been discussed, I guess, kind of in, in some of the articles that have been written, was that she did, you know, battle uh and it developed an eating disorder mm-hmm. in 2016 that kind of put really? those professional plans aside uh for a little bit derailed um, a lot of things for her eventually does go pro in 2017 gets off to a good start gets mm-hmm. a little injured um but has really been locked in i know she's kind of uh you know she's a member of the the freedom track club out yep. in, in in boston but she put in a lot of this training in colorado and in flagstaff yep. uh so it's she's working with John Green uh, as her coach, mm-hmm. who's a super young guy. I mean, it's working. It's working. Uh, it's working. She was she put up this thing today on Instagram that I absolutely loved. Where I think as runners we tend to compare. I mean, especially like I love Strava. It's great. I get to look and see what's happening. But also, you're always like, oh, this person's running this. This person's running that. And like. Earlier today, she posted up that she said, before the Houston half back in January, I was worried my training wasn't enough and that I couldn't work out as hard as veteran marathoners did. And she said that a really smart friend sitting with her on the bus next to the start said, why are you comparing your workouts to others? You aren't them, so your training isn't your training. Look, last year I was injured and could only train for six weeks, but I still ran my best marathon. If you trust that your body is strong, it'll do great things. And that was Alphine. Yeah. Talking to Molly. Like, you 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 train what you can handle, and then show up on race day, and we talk about heart height, stack height. Uh, yeah, forget height. stack height. Let's on the women's stack. race, it really didn't have didn't too matter. much of an impact. Yeah, yeah. If there we was, look at there it, there was kind no of, chonky boy. There was not a lot of chonky boys. Was, Maybe that's okay. Conspiracy Chris puts the hat back on. We got actually. I got actually. I'm gonna like get a hat for yeah. you, like a very silly <laughs> hat. I'm just gonna say like conspiracy. Maybe have like a UFO on part yeah. of it. Can we do a little bit of? I don't know. Let's find some science people. Let's do a little research into what exactly is. How much of a benefit are are women getting from the Chonky Boys mm-hmm. than the men? Because let's look through some of this race. 
Um, Alphine first. Hoka. Hoka, yep. Mo- Molly second. Saucony. Sally Kipiego was wearing, I don't believe the Chonky the, Boys. The next percent, though. The next percent. The next percent. Des was in the new Hyperion. The Hyperion Elite, Elite twos, twos, it looked Close. like. The, the cushioning looked a little different. Has like a little more of the uh, the little like shark t- mm-hmm. fin on the back. Laura um, Thweet was in the Saucony, Endorphin Pro. Steph Bruce was in the Rocket X. Emma Bates was in the new Asics Carbon. Uh, Kellen was in that same Rocket X. And then Nell Rojas was back in 12th. I don't know what she was in. But, the, I mean, Runner's World has like a whole um, gallery where you can go through and see where what people wore when they finished. And, I mean, it's definitely fascinating. But, like, just look at that. I mean, there was very there are very few Chonky Boys, if any, yeah. in the top 10. I don't even know if – I don't think – I'm pretty sure Sally wasn't wearing it, so. Interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I, I, it was so funny to see people at the at the hotel just torn on this decision of what they're going to wear. Up until I was with my buddy Leanne Sherrick, and she was she hadn't decided at eleven p.m. the night before is she going to be wearing the Chonky Boys or she's going to be wearing the the next percent. And it's kind of I was like nothing new on race day. Just stick to it. Just don't do it. She ended up going she ended with up it. Going for it. And a lot of people did. Yeah, I saw, I saw so many people out there in it and it's like you could you can't it's like yeah i was talking to my friend lauren perkins yeah she literally sent me a picture she's like do i race in these yeah i was like oh i mean like and i was like well you've been training in the next so Mm -hmm. like you can handle the stack height and the and the aggressive you were kind of i was like you can handle it I'm, i'm not saying it's not going to be like a like a total shift yeah. in like, say you ran it, you totally trained in a different shoe right. and then you did something else. But I was like, it wouldn't be like a huge jump, but I was like, I mean, I'm someone that's like, what would you have done? I wouldn't have ran in it. I mean, I don't, I don't think I would have ran in it either. I don't think I would have ran in it just because like on that day, if it was like a course I had ran before yeah, or if it was something more predictable, I'd be like, yeah, I got this. But like, you don't know. If like the upper is gonna chafe your foot, yeah. If the laces on this particular one are gonna feel terrible, like you have no idea. It's it looks totally. So yeah, totally that's what I was. Different. Like, that's what I think Jake Riley said that on Thursday he hadn't decided what he was going to wear. He went for a run in it. He I saw him even doing the strides the first time he put them on. He had not put them on up until Thursday. He went and go went to pick them up, puts them on, is doing a couple strides in the hallway, and. Still hadn't decided. Leonard Career hadn't decided as of Thursday what he was going to wear, which is so wild. Um, and of you know, kind of of note, Jake Riley didn't even didn't sign a professional contract with anyone because he wanted to have this option. Yeah, want to be able to do what he wants and where he runs. Yeah, Lauren Perkins. It's funny enough because like at the very last second, she I saw her walking out onto the starting line. She said something to me too because she was she was so undecided. She was like. I don't know if I'm second if I if I'll second guess this, but she ended up running a really strong race. So yeah, oh, she ran so well. Shout, Shout out, out to, to Lauren. Lauren. Um, all right, so we made sense of Alphine why we overlooked her. Mm, Molly, um, and phenomenal now, race. Sally Kipiego. I, I I had Sally in my top ten mm-hmm. just because she has such a history of success. Yeah, that it's someone who I'm like you can you can roll for a long time. You know how this race is gonna go. You're a, you're a veteran. You you know how to match a move. You're going to be smart and strategic throughout the race. But so I kind of the way I I grouped in 
with every single one of these women, there was someone else who had a very similar resume, but something a little shinier. Just a little. With Alphine, it was Callan Taylor. With with Molly Seidel, I would argue Emma Bates, because she very, had run the marathon. And they're very similar, mm-hmm. like that. And then with Sally, I Kibiego, still had Emma Bates in my top three yeah. before the race. I had her at four, but I was like leaning towards and making her number she, three. She like was out in front for a lot of it. She I was. was. Like, oh, she's feeling good. And I was yeah. Like, Let's go, Emma. Sally Kipiego, her counterpart that had a little bit more shine was probably Sarah Hall because Sarah mm-hmm. Hall also ran Berlin. Both of them did last fall, and Sarah Hall ran. 2:22:16. Hell PR fast. For her. Yeah, three minutes behind her was Sally Kibiego in 2:25:10. Three minutes back. Yeah, so it's you know three minutes is enough to be overlooked. That's, but yeah. for Sally, that was her first good marathon, I believe, since her debut in 2016 in New York, mm-hmm. where she finished second yep. in 2:28. She gave birth to her daughter, who's now two, uh, and just really struggled in the comeback process to it. I was kind of, I really took to heart what she said in the press conference, and I'll read it right now because I transcribed it. She said, coming back from childbirth was not easy for me. My daughter is two years old now. It took a while. It took over a year for me to feel like my old self. Not necessarily like my old self because I can't be my old self. I'm a mom and all that good stuff, a better version of myself. It was a difficult process to come back. A lot of women have children and they come back. Somehow everything clicks. They run and they're fantastic. That was not my story. I had a difficult story. My body fell apart. I got sick all the time. I couldn't put together a month of training without getting fatigued and getting sick. I have struggled. This victory, even though I didn't win today, but I made the team, Today, I was victorious. Mm. I was victorious because where I've come from, I was victorious because of the challenges I've gone through to be back here. I'm just so grateful that I am going back to the Olympics again, but also I'm going back to the Olympics as a mom. Oh. All in the feels. Hit you right in the feels. That's perfect. Yeah, so it was... Wow. She really, you know, strong comeback. Mm-hmm. I think for her... The craziest part, it's like, what, what, we are such idiots for overlooking an Olympic silver medalist in the 10K. <laughs> Not only that, her, her cross country credentials, something that we said was going to be very important. We were like, let's look at, let's look at who, uh, who's, who's been doing well in cross country. She's a three time national champ in cross country. We totally overlooked that. We are idiots. Damn. Anyway, she, I think the big move was made at 21. Yep. She hangs in there and really, was the one who was trying not to get reeled in. And I I, I was like, oh, look. She, there was like this point at... Two know, miles ago? That, like, yeah, like, like at 24 where she was like getting really wobbly. Mm-hmm. And you could see anytime they came around here, her, I'd see Dez and Laura Thweet yeah. right in the back. And I was like, oh, they're going to start working together. They're going to reel her in. Bad news bears. Bad news bears. They made right before they made the final turn. It's kind of like they passed the college football hall of fame, uh, sponsored by Chick Fil A. Shout out to Chick Fil A. Had them once while I was down there. Um, I have it like once a week here. Really? Literally every Wednesday morning. Shout out to Chick Fil A on Forty Second and Madison. (laughs) You guys are great at six a.m. Six a.m. Wow. That's when that's when they open. Do they have chicken minis? Is that the thing? I've never had chicken minis. I always get just a regular sandwich, like the the biscuit with the chicken and then another biscuit. Yeah. And Sometimes, if I'm running, if it's a big week, I'll also get a little breakfast burrito and tater tots. Wow. Look at you. Hungry man. Grown boy. Chonky boy. Chonky boy. <laughs> but, um, you so said they're big up. Yeah, because they're, they're passing the College Football Hall of Fame. And they, 
I'm trying to think. Oh, that's the last point where they make this final turn, and Dez just comes into the shot at the very last second, and I realize it's not happening. She's running out of real estate. It was like 24, 25, and I was like, there's room. She really has to open it up. And when she passed, uh, Laura Thweet, I was like, the bar I was in was like, ah, come on, Dez. Yeah. But also, shout out to Laura Thweet for like. She did so much of the work from the front. On the front, so much of that race. Yeah. She was dictating a lot of that race. Yeah. Foot was on the pedal. Hell yeah, Laura. Th- I don't think she ever left, but it's always fun to say, Laura Thweet's back. Yeah. She never left. She never left. She she was someone who was like banged up by injuries for yeah, years and like, like was never really, aside from I think one marathon, I think like uh, London it might have been, like... Uh, she really wasn't able to put it together, but this was a great sign for her going forward. Um, especially since like we've got this new wave of marathoners like, that really came into their own in this race. Mm-hmm. And Molly Seidel, I think, is going to lead that charge. <sighs> she's, she's the things look good. Yeah. Things look um, good. So kind of, I'm trying to think what else was there from, I mean, there's so much to, to, to dissect from this race. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan what? Hesse, another person that we I had on my team. I... And I didn't have Jordan on mine. Finished 26th. Yeah. Hard, hard day at the office. Really difficult day. Had a, you know, big moment after the finish line where she finds Galen and embraces it. I mean, kudos to her. She didn't, she didn't didn't drop out. She said she was dealing with back issues. I think the week of the race, a hamstring, I think was bugging her again. It's still like from just judging off of like the Instagram videos and all the content she's putting out. I thought she was a hundred percent and she was totally fine. But she, and she was she was in the mix. She was for, for the a, first half. Good lot of it, and then just once they hit. dropped her, it was game over because you know none of these women are coming back. No, no one's coming back, and especially like you you have to wonder what's going through Jordan's head. Where like part of part of it's probably like that 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 C that that last goal is mm-hmm. like just finish. You yeah. wanna because like once you once you start like missing a bunch of races in a row yeah it starts to become like it just becomes hard to get back going so i think that even though it wasn't a good even though it wasn't what she wanted i think it was still a good finish for her yeah like the fact that she the gut, fact she that gutted finished. it out and finished it brian hell uh, ryan hall i think like once told me like a really good quote about that it's like we're we're dropping out once you do it once like it's it a thing that can get in the back of your subconscious and you it happens more than it. once it's like you start to use it too often yeah. And you're like, anytime things get hard, the immediate back door is... It's like, you made that excuse once, what's going to prevent you from using it again? Yeah. And, like, that same thing happens in, like, I think about that in workouts, like, when I'm running stuff, and I'm like... Oh, I'm if, in that if, string if, right now. If, if, you, if, you, if, you, like, short. if you cut out something right now, you got you to gotta, you gotta keep yeah. rolling through. And, like, that's what I was telling myself. So I was like, you got to just, like, set the patterns now. I dropped out of the Al Gordon four miler at mile two, so I, I'm I just I use the excuse that. and I am uh, <laughs> I'm on a bad wave right now. <laughs> That's okay. We're gonna you'll be back in no time. Okay. But some of our other like big American hopefuls dropped for oh, yeah. I think a good reason. Um, between Molly Huddle and um, Emily Sisson, almost Emily, at the same exact time. Yeah, training partners that were like, because I um. In an, in, I think in an interview later, Molly was talking that they had like the last ditch plan that if you get to this part in the race and there's no chance, cut it so that you can still recycle some of this, get back, get recovered and healthy to come back for track trials. Yeah. I saw 
I was watching Natasha Rogers' Instagram story, recent guest of the podcast. She was watching the race on TV and got super emotional over the finish, but then realized very quickly thereafter that um, Emily Sisson and Molly Huddle dropped out of the race, and now it just got so much harder to make the Olympic team in the 10K because you assume it's already difficult Mm -hmm. enough as it is. The 10K team in 2016 was Huddle, Sisson and uh, and uh, Emily Enfeld. Yep, and, and the three of them will be back. <laughs> yes, and I was. Um, this was my discussion on not last week's, but two weeks two weeks ago on my long run with one of my buddies. We were like, "What does the picture look like for the 10K, the women's 10K?" Because so many of these women are going to try and salvage their their mm-hmm. Olympic dreams. Amy, Amy Craig yep. said she's going to go, go for, for it. it. Yep. Uh, Jordan has said you'd assume is going to have to put on the spikes for the first time in years, yeah. which it's like, is that fast twitch muscle back? Is, uh, is she still there? Is it? Um, I think that uh, that was definitely because we were thinking we're like, well, the besides Emily Infeld, like that whole that whole. The other two former members of the team are, I thought, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I was like, these are definite contenders to make the Olympic team for the marathon. But Yeah, it was, so seeing those two drop Mm. is good news for the track trials. Good news for track trials. Track trials has got a little bit Bad news for anyone who wants to make the Olympic team in the 10K. Oh, yeah. Um, Some other people that I was really excited about, I was glad to see Sarah Sellers. Yeah. Sarah Sellers, baby. Way to go. American, American I don't hometown think hero, Sarah Sellers. So she was sponsored in 2000. So she finished 2018, she, got a sponsorship for 2019. I believe, Ultra. yeah, is unsponsored going into this race. Mm. She might have been wearing, like I think, like uh, different brands uh, in uh, on her uniform Mixed and wore, I believe, the Chonky Boys for um, for the uh, for the race. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that one. But, yeah, no, it was crazy because the – Two of the three people I had making the team, Sisson and Huddle, drop out, and Jordan Hesay finishes 26th. No one predicted this team that made it. So, truly fascinating. Uh, So, kind of that kind of wraps up our our trials recap of sorts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the general numbers that we had, Mm because it was a record setting number of women who qualified for the race. How many actually finished? This so give the us thing. some stats. So, just throw some numbers at you guys. Uh, <laughs> so as far as the women's marathon, there were 511 qualifiers. Okay. That meant there were four, and from there there were 450 who signed up for the race, 440 who started, 390 who finished. Not not too too many DNFs. Not too not too too many. That's like. Just around like fifty. And we had two women who were pr- who were pregnant. They're pregnant, yes. Finished the race. Rachel Highland, I think, was one yep. of them. And I'm forgetting the other person's name. I'm so sorry. Um, but it, yeah, we could probably pull it up. I just don't like the sound of keyboards uh, clicking. But uh, no, I mean that was so impressive. That's so impressive. It's on a, such a hard day. It's on a very hard such day. Uh, it kind of like did you have you watched the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm? No, I haven't seen anything oh. yet. Well, the very first episode, uh, it, there's a scene. It's very funny where uh, there's a woman on a treadmill, and Larry David uh, just says to her, "Is like, 
can can you not? And it's like, aren't you a little concerned? It's like you're jostling the fetus, and it's like just because she's on the treadmill and you're just running uh, the entire time. And so I was just, I, I when I saw can that clip not? on the on the on the broadcast, I was like, I really wonder what Larry David would say about two women running the Olympic marathon trials on that hilly of a course, just going up and down and up and down. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, Very exciting. That was so good to see that they finished. On the men's side, was there more carnage? On the men's side, there was, I think, slightly more carnage. Actually, we were about even. How many? Give us the numbers. So for the men, we had 261 qualifiers, um, less than... 1984, which had the record. How interesting Ooh. is that? But still, solid chunk of men. Now, with that, we had 300, 235 registered, 227 started. You know who race. didn't start? The other Chris Chavez. I almost considered picking up his bib at the very you last second. Honestly? And then I could have picked up a pair of Chonky Boys. I, I messed you up. Missed, you missed out on an amazing opportunity. <laughs> you could have had your name on a bib that said Olympic trials. I really would have wondered like how close I would have been able to get to the starting line. Like what? At what point would they have pulled me off? I know that I wouldn't have. Uh, Is that Chris Javis? Yeah, like they would how have. Pro- like in the starting corral is probably where <laughs> they would finally pull me out. But uh, I was like, that's not worth losing my credential for for this uh, for this PR stunt. No. Um, oh, that'd be- what else? And then um, how for, many finished? For finished, we had a 175. Of 220? Out of 227. Okay, so, so bad we even. We had 53 um, DNFs on the men's side and 54 DNFs on the women's side. So almost even. Yeah. Right on the edge. And the last thing we kind of have to address on the last show, we gave our predictions for who was going to be the top New York City woman. You went with... <sighs> Uh, Caitlin Phillips. I went with Mia Bame, and actually, sort of. If we still go by our rule that we set of it's where you get your mail, where the postman delivers your mail, uh, then Veronica Jackson no longer counts because she lives in Boston now. She does live in Boston, and she was the top New York City woman. Yeah, uh, with a hell of a race, actually. Big day for her. Amazing performance. Let me pull up the Shout result out right now. V Jax. Uh, Veronica Jackson ran. 242.06 for 63rd place. Uh, Caitlin Phillips was second in 242.16. Yep. So she beats Mia by 10 seconds. Mia actually ended up telling me later on that uh, she, Caitlin, I think, passed her kind of by um, maybe that Chick fil A. Uh, it was the Chick fil A. Yeah, that might have been the College Football Hall of Fame. And so pretty much we were, we were pretty spot on. Caitlin, Mia, then Alex Bernardi. Harriet Kelly, yep. Sarah Cummings. Half these people have been on Runners of NYC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Luke Myers has been on Runners of NYC. Hey. Um, yeah, so I mean. Some people had some really. Uh, um, Meg? Meg it was a Megan Meg- Foster. Megan Foster had a PR. No, 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 no. I don't know if you finished reading the caption. What? Megan Foster. Did she? Yeah. So Megan Foster, fun. this is actually a really fun story for anyone who's not from New York. Megan Foster posted a caption and said she had been training to run 240 uh, for so long, and she did just that. Literally on the nose. And you know what she did? It's because she had knee surgery like a week or so ago, so she ran for two minutes and 40 seconds. Oh. I don't know if you caught that part. How did I not catch that? I was like, oh my God, great job, Meg. Meg got a big PR. Yep. So that's actually very sneaky. Well done, Meg. But no, yeah, it was uh, all in all, 
a great day. A great day to celebrate mm-hmm. awesome people. Shout out uh, Leanne Sherrick, 249. Yep. Shout out to uh, Gene Mack, 252. Gene Mack with a 15, like a 15 minute stop. Yeah, she she so she cramped I, up bad. So bad. I literally so I I have a I text. So from, I have a text from you. Yeah. That is, oh yeah. Is Gene okay? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I was just know. texting literally anyone because so. Gene is is uh, like a mom to me, and she I'm actually the bridesman at her wedding coming up in August, oh. and she, I, ha- I had her on the tracker and I was like, oh, she stopped. She stop? Where's she at? Where's she at? And there was like a 15 minute mile. She still ended up running 252, amazing, but she stopped and like wanted to drop out. He was uh-huh. even like calling for her fiance and my good friend Paul to pick her up, but Paul took too long, so she's like, "I'm just gonna finish this damn God race." God damn it, Paul! Anyway, well, all Paul, right. you took too long. I can't believe we have to wait another four years to have another race like that. That is, but the great uh, part is maybe you'll be in the next race. You know what? Is that the hope? What what did what did watching this do for you and your motivation? I've been I've been honestly trying to collect my thoughts on this, and it's been like a, a very exciting busy weekend. Just like I had family in town, had uh, it's my birthday, and I went out and I and I ran a workout on Saturday before uh, before the run and before the marathon. And in it, it was like there was like six miles of it at OTQ pace. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. And I, and I and and I literally, I was like, I was running. I was like, I'm, I'm doing this right now for much smaller amount of time than is required for the marathon. But it was like, all right, I was. It was very exciting and just like getting to see that it it's so it's so possible. You just gotta like yeah, like the people who have like the the amount of stories that I've been able to look through that. I just like looked up a lot of like the tags that day mm-hmm. of people who I had no idea who they were. And I'm like, you can read through all these stories of someone who's like, I've came back from all these, like from came back from injury, from the fact that running, like they lost part of running in their life and mm-hmm. they brought it back that like, there's no one way to get to the trials. Yeah. And a lot of people are like the amount of times that I read something, it was like, a couple of years ago, if you had said that I would be here, mm-hmm. I would have, I would have never believed you. Yeah. And there, yeah, then they well, made it. Well, we'll see. I'm trying to, I'm trying to call my shot. Yeah. So you call got, my shot. you've got, got I, were you able to hold it for six? Yeah. Now you got to hold it, was, it for it, 20 more. Just a couple more. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it was, uh, around Manhattan bridge, which was exciting. Um, we were rolling, we were rolling up some good hills. You got Boston coming up, right? Hopefully we can make some good things happen. I'm feeling excited. Uh, it's all just little little steps. I'm hoping to just keep putting it together a little bit at a time. This one, that one. I'd like it to be a little closer after Boston. I'd like to have like that. Right now I'm about 15 minutes out, which is considerable. But uh, it's exciting. It, it's exciting. My uh, uh friend of everyone's peter bromka mm-hmm. put up this great thing and he's like in 2015 i ran 234 in 2020 or in 2019 i ran 219.02 i was like it's possible it's possible shout out to peter bromka and you know what i think you're gonna get a little bit closer because now you've got that stride pod honestly so. i just looked down at it i don't know if we both did it at the same time i'm like oh i gotta i got so i've got a workout tomorrow and i'm like oh let's see how 
I'm, I'm definitely going to bust that puppy in. Yeah. So that does it for this recap. Thanks to Stride for sponsoring mm-hmm. the show. They're helping ensure that you nail that perfect pacing strategy and that workout tomorrow, Matt, so you can keep that consistent effort in all the challenging conditions. Oh, baby. Whether it's wind, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, rain, whatever. You're it- going to get it all in real time. You're going to get start nerding out on all the data. You know me. I love numbers. Yeah. I love my numbers. So, but and yeah. everyone else... I encourage you guys to also check out Stride mm-hmm. and learn more by visiting stride.com. That's S-T-R-Y-D dot com slash Sidious. S-T-R-Y-D dot com slash Sidious. I've been your host, Chris Chavez. This has been my co-host, Matt Meyer. Hey. Wishing you guys some happy and healthy running. And don't forget, legs are feeling good. Also, Chonky Boy's also merch John- coming soon. Coming soon. <laughs> Stay up, baby. Chonk.